Last week I talked about nailing the old man um, down and, and talked about what Jesus did on the cross, the finished work on the cross, and how God has given us the ability to live victoriously over sin. Amen? All right. God has given us all we need to live victoriously over sin. And I know that may not be a popular thing to say, but it's true, all right? It's true. And um, the, the text that I used last week that, that God had given me was 2 Corinthians 5.17. And if you have that, do you have that scripture? Can you put that up there for me, Tristan? And it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, he is a what? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How many are new because of Jesus Christ? How many are made new? How many are not what you used to be because Jesus came and saved you? Amen. That old nature is gone. And, and I, I want to uh, just ask you um, today, you know, uh, I, I titled this, this sermon today, What Are You Wearing? Everyone look at your neighbor and say, What Are You Wearing? What are you wearing? If you have your Bibles, can you go to Colossians chapter 3? And I love this book. And uh, to kind of give you a little bit, while you're looking for that, to give you a little bit of groundwork of, of kind of what's uh, going on. Uh, the Colossians, it's the city of Colossae. And Colossae, they started a church. And the pastor of this church is this guy named... Epaphras, if you need a name for your dog, that's a perfect name for your dog, Epaphras. And Epaphras was a man who went to Ephesus and he heard Paul preach and he was transformed there in Ephesus. And he went back to his hometown and he began to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ there in Colossae. And how many know that that is our job as believers? All right. And so while he's doing this, there were people who were transformed and changed by uh, the power of Christ. They, they, there was J Jewish uh, people who were getting saved and becoming Christians, okay? And, and then there were Greek people who were getting saved and they were becoming Christians. They were, they were Gentiles. And, and in the process of this, the Jewish Christians were, were letting this thing called legalism seep into what was being taught. Epaphras, a very young pastor, the church grew really fast. And the Jewish uh, Christians began to say, well, uh, in order to serve, you're right about Christ, but this is what you need to do. You need to follow these rules. You need to follow these rituals. It means you need to follow these festivals, and you need to be circumcised. That's just the way it works. And then, then the Greek Christians, as they were saved, this, these things begin to creep in. The Greeks were known for philosophy. And the philosophy of man, uh, the Greeks, these Gentiles, begin to allow this to seep into uh, that early church there in Colossae. And so Epaphras, this young pastor, his, his church is growing really fast. And he's like, man, this is, this is a little bit chaotic. And so he does something amazing. He goes to a mentor, which is Paul the Apostle. And he says, Paul, I've got this issue going on in the church here. Can you help me out? And so Paul spends the better part of, of Colossians, the first two chapters. And he tells us 
this. And regardless of what the Jewish Christian said and what the Gentile or the Greek philosophy Christians begin to say, Paul says this in the first two chapters. It's through Christ and him alone, and it's not that we're not saved through vain philosophies and we're not saved through legalism or through works. It's by Jesus Christ and his grace. And he begins to preach that in the first two chapters. And he is talking about the preeminence of Christ. And um, it's Jesus. What does that mean? It's Jesus and him alone that can wash your sins away. That's it. All right. And so he, he's doing this and he, he is talking about putting off the old man. And so in Colossians uh, chapter, chapter 3, verse 9, he, he's, so Paul is writing this to the people in Colossae and Epaphras, the pastor there. And he's saying this right here. He, and, and I don't typically do this, but I'm going to start after that comma. It says, do not lie to one another. But in the middle of this verse, there's a comma, and it says this. Seeing that you have to, what? Put off the old self with its practices. Verse 10 says this. And have put on the what? So everyone say, put off the old self. Put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You know what that new image is? It is, the, it is following the image of its creator. How many know that we were created in the image of God? Amen. And so I, I want to talk to you today about this simple subject. What are you wearing what are you wearing will you pray with me lord heavenly father today god i pray lord that you would uh, just have your will and way today god i pray lord you soften hearts lord that you begin to let your word go forth and multiply do what it does god i pray lord that your holy spirit will begin to draw men and draw women lord to you and towards your presence today God, we will give you all the praise. God, I am nothing without you. Lord, I lean into you today because you are my strength and my hope. Lord, and I can do nothing apart from you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. How many of you guys love change? How many love it when they put a new stoplight on Highway 37? How many have run the new stoplights sometimes on? Th- how many have run through the roundabouts when they weren't there, you know, and you come back. Um, I, change sometimes is tough. Um, how, many, how many of you, all right, how many of you love to get a new wardrobe? All right. So there's like six people that are honest in here. Uh, I love to get a new wardrobe. Um, you know, I, I love it because, like, women find a way to get a new wardrobe. They'll change their hair, and then, hey, I need to get a new outfit to match my hair, right? So they, this is a little device that they use. Um, how, many, how, many, uh, how many have ever went through phases in your life where you get a new style? You maybe get a new haircut. Maybe you change the way that you dress. Anybody ever go from, like, uh, I, I remember when I was trying to determine kind of who I was growing up, I went through a phase where I, I wore cowboy boots, Yeehaw. Listen, I love a good pair of cowboy boots. I love a good pair. Listen, they are comfortable. Um, I know you haven't seen me wear cowboy boots very often, but I do have a pair of cowboy boots, and um, I don't wear them very often. 
And uh, every t- I don't. The reason I don't is my wife doesn't like me to wear them. I, not that she doesn't doesn't make me not wear them, but she just you know I don't know if it just makes me that much more taller than her. I mean all all five foot ten of me with my cowboy boots on. I don't know what it is. Uh, but uh, I, there was phases where I went through uh, when I was young where I dressed Western for a while, and I had the, the, the over Western style shirts. You know what I'm talking about? They're bright, and they're, they're beautiful, and they're like $90, you know, really expensive. I only had like one. Mom and Dad only let me get one. But, um, and I remember uh, it also going through a phase where I began to kind of dress preppy too. I guess that's kind of where maybe I landed a little bit more. And, and I'll never forget when I moved to California, and when I was in high school, I moved to California from Missouri, and when I got to California, you know what I found out? Whew, my style was way different than everyone in California. I did. It was, it was culture shock to me, um, and, and I began to change styles when I was there. I you know, I, I went from, uh, you know, wearing certain things, and then I, I bought me a pair of skater shoes so I could fit in. I didn't have a skateboard, but I bought skater shoes uh, so I could fit in at school, and I, I began to change my style. I was kind of lost to my identity, but uh, how many have ever changed your hairstyle? How many need to change your hairstyle? I wish I could change my hairstyle. <laughs> um, uh, you know, when you when you get a new hairstyle and you come out of the the you know the shop and your hair's done for the first time, and you go home and you see your spouse or you go to see someone that you know, and they look at you and you're waiting on their response to see what they're going to say about your hair, right? Either it's like, oh, that's nice, or they're being nice. Oh, that looks nice. You know, and, and so how many knows that sometimes when you get a new style, it, it's a little uncomfortable, right? And when, what I've learned is when you are going to change your hairstyle or change the way that you dress, you better get comfortable being uncomfortable in your new look, all right? That's just the name of the game. You're going to have to change. And so, and, and it seems awkward to you because you're not used to wearing that or having your hair this way. And sometimes you, you change your hairstyle. Your friends come up to you and say, oh, you look really good. They're mocking you. They're making fun of you. you see, anybody, anybody have friends like I do? They tease you, all right? Um, but I know it's tough to believe. This is really tough to believe. But I had long hair at one time. I did. I had long hair. When me and Tristan first got married, oh, a long time ago, 18 years ago, I decided after we got married, and, and I said, I'm going to let my hair grow out. So I began to just let my hair grow out. Tristan was, uh, had just went through uh, uh, beautician school, and so she, she had done that, cosmetologist. And so she, she had, man, when she went through cosmetology school, she had every color hair you can imagine. I dated every, every girl on the spectrum, red, black, blonde, all of them. I've seen it all. Um, and, uh, but, but I had long hair and I let my hair grow out and it was, it was pretty long for me, like down to here, if you can imagine me with long hair and I'll never forget, I went to go see my parents in Missouri. We were living in California at the time and I went and I got on an airplane and Tristan's hair was dyed and we got on the airplane and my parents were supposed to pick us up at the airport. And so we were waiting, uh, we got there, we landed, we went and got our bags and we're sitting there just waiting on my parents to come pick us up. 
And unbeknownst, it was funny to me because my parents hadn't seen me in a long time. They didn't know that my hair had grown, grown out. And, and who knew what color hair Tristan's hair was when the last time they saw her. And so she had a different color. I'm, I'm not being mean. She just, she went through all that. And so we've done it. Okay. But anyways, but so we're, I'm sitting there and my mom and dad, we're watching my mom and dad. They walk right past me and Tristan because they did not recognize us. My hair messed them up, and so it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was different. I, I begin to think about this uh, when Zaylee just went to prom with Brayden, and I, I don't know if Brayden's in here. I'm going to call him out right now. All right, there he is. I'm going to call him out right now. Um, when he came to the house, he was he was so sweet to pick up Zaylee, and he came in, and he had the the uh, what is it the whatever the little flower that goes on the wrist. I don't know what it's called. Um, but anyways, he came in, and, and he had his, his suit on, his tuxedo. He looked sharp. He looked good. Uh, I mean, honestly, he did. He looked good. And he came in, and he said, you know, he said, I'm not used to, to dressing like this. And I said, yeah. And he said, you know, he said, but it is, it is a little bit more comfortable than, than I thought it would be. I, I'm, I'm kind of getting adjusted to it. How many know that sometimes it's awkward uh, when, we, when we change the way that we, we dress or what we have? Well, con continuing in the vein of thought that I had last week, I, I want to talk about nailing the old man uh, or our sinful nature down. And I want to I talk about putting on the new self. Everyone say, put on the new self. So our verse in Colossians is, is parallel to exactly what I spoke on last week, Romans chapter 6. And, and instead of saying it in terms of nailing it down, it says, put on, okay? Put on. Uh, it, it says, talks about taking off the old man and putting on the new man. So I want to talk a little bit about this, just to set a, set a little bit of uh, uh, a foundation here. I want to talk, number one, first about the old man. Uh, how many, how many, well, how many can say, I really am an old man? <laughs> a few people can say, how many got up this morning and said, I felt like an old man when I got up this morning, all right? Uh, the old man, I'm talking spiritually here. And the Bible talks about, uh, and Paul particularly does, does a great job talking about this laying aside and, or putting down or nailing down uh, the old man. And in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, I'm going to lead back to verse, verses 9 and 10. It says this. Look at this. So I talked about this last week. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. All right? This is the old nature. This is the nature before you come to know Christ. Now, Paul's talking to believers here, and, but he's reminding them, and he's telling them this. He's saying, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, what is worldly in you, what is like the world. And he gives some examples here. What are those things? Number one, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On, and verse 6 says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Look at your neighbor say, you don't want that. All right. Uh, it's coming. Verse 7 says, in these you too once walked. That's how I know he's talking to believers. You used to be that way is what, what he's saying. And those of you who know Jesus Christ in your heart, you used to have that nature. You used to be that way. And he's saying, you too once walked uh, when you were living in them. And so... I kind of made reference to this uh, uh, about uh, Epaphras, you know, having to deal with these things. And so he's, he's talking there. But to the believer, he's saying this, simply this, put off 
the old man, put on the new. Uh, sexual immorality, what is that? Fornication, perversion. Oh, it's quiet in here. Lustful passions, evilness, and coveting. Wanting what isn't yours. Matter of fact, Paul would say this about coveting. It is idolatry. It is, it is something that you've placed before God. Anything that is between you and God, your relationship with the Lord is an idol. That's what scripture says. And so, um, and so Paul's saying this. Hey, listen, you're no longer walking in these. But then he continues in verse 8 and 9. He says, but now you must put them all away. Uh, and so what are we putting away? Here he goes down a list again. Here's another list. Everyone, oh, get ready. Don't throw stuff at me. Anger. Wrath. Woo. Malice. Slander. Uh-oh. Oh, it's just, here comes the chicks coming to roost now. Obscene talk from your mouth. And here's this, the first part of verse 9. It says, do not lie to one another. There's another one. Get rid of lies out of your mouth. So the sinful man or our sinful nature does these things. It, it, if you're doing these things, that's the litmus test for you that you are walking or caring or you've put on the old man instead of the new man, all right? So anger, I, I did a study on this on Wednesday night, and if you can go back and look at the podcast and look up this, at Colossians chapter 3, I did a study, I, and I talked about these three things. I'm going to do it really fast right now. The first thing is this, anger. Anger, what is anger? I'll give you a quick definition of anger right here. It's festering or smoldering uh, like a fire. Anybody ever have a fire and it goes down and then there's just ashes, but it just smolders and it's sitting there? Anger in our lives, it is there, it's under the surface, and we, we could blow up at any given moment. How many sometimes, sometimes would say, hey, pastor, sometimes my anger gets the best of me, and I let it sit there and smolder, and it's about to break loose, and you put a little bit of accelerant on something that's smoldering, guess what happens? So anger, here's the second one, wrath, and, and wrath here is, is like this. Wrath is like a volcano exploding. You know what volcanoes do when they explode? They create a lot of collateral damage. And sometimes when we fly off the handle, dads, moms, daughters, sons, bosses, coworkers, when we fly off the handle, we cause a lot of collateral damage in people's lives that's not necessary. So Paul here is saying, hey, put off anger, put off wrath. Here's the next one. He says malice, malice, put off malice. Finding humor, what is malice? It's finding humor in others' misfortune. Woo, anybody ever said a joke about somebody's misfortune? Oh, man, guilty, right? Sometimes we don't even say it, we think it, right? We smirk inside and say, oh, someone trips on the way in the rural king. And we laugh at them because they tripped, right? Or, or whatever, they, we laugh at their, that's called malice. Here's the next one right here, slander, slander. And slander is this. Uh, I love this. Just a quick definition. Chopping people down with your words behind their back. I don't know you, but I'm going to talk about you because I don't like you. Why? I don't know you, but I'm just going to slander you. I'm going to assassinate your character. 
I don't know anything about you, but I'm going to assassinate you. You ought to be careful what comes out of your mouth, what you say. Here's the next one right here, obscene talk, vulgar talk. James says, says this about our mouths. Can, can fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? That means, guess what, I can't talk vulgar with my mouth and also praise God with that same mouth. So some of us, and, and if we find ourselves doing that obscene talk, we've put on the old man, and we haven't put on the new man. And so here's the next one, lies, bearing false witness. And this one, uh, when, you, when you have a false witness, is this. kind of reminds me of the news. The news tells you what they want you to hear, right? Right? They tell you what they, they don't, honestly, the news much anymore is not the news anymore. It's our spin on what we want you to hear. I don't care what network, that's, that's what the news has become. And, and what that is, is not letting the full truth come forth, that's bearing a false witness, or letting someone believe a lie. Have you ever said something and someone thought you said something, and you went ahead and let them believe what, you, what they thought you said? But that wasn't your intent. That, that's bearing false witness. So scripture says this, or it tells us that our old man or our old nature before we knew Christ, we, we slandered, we lied, we were quick to anger, we were quick to wrath, we fornicated, we coveted, we had lustful passions, and we had desires. Those are all things that the old man does. Amen. And here's the thing, when I became a believer, this is, what, this is what Paul says, when I became a believer, I put off, I took those things off, I, 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 I nailed, nailed them to the cross, Romans 6 says, my earthly desires, and I changed my wardrobe. So look at this, I went from filthy garments to ones that are white as snow because of the blood of Jesus, amen. How many are glad for the blood of Jesus? So, so here, I, I talked about the old man, are you guys with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you, pastor. Listen, don't be the old man, now, I'm not talking about your age, I'm talking about your spiritual condition. As believers, listen, we are to put off the old man. Here, here's what the scripture says about the new man. Uh, this is, I love this, the, the new man, when you dress, when you dress, you dress how you want people to perceive you, right? Are you awake? You dress to how you want people to perceive you. So look at this, I'll give you, I'll give you an example right here. Tristan, put that first one up there for me. What is that? Who, what is that? A What? How did you know that that was a, why, how? Because the way that she is, what's around her neck? Oh, good, I'm glad you guys said it. I can't say it. So that is a doctor. You know that's a doctor by the way she's dressed. Let's do another one right here. What is that? Oh, how do you know that's a fireman? Because this thing says deputy chief right across the top of it, right? That, that's a, it's his uniform that is dead giveaway. You know, we have firemen that come to this church that you don't even know are firemen. Because they don't come in in their full uniform. But look, so when we see someone like this, we know this is a fire. Give me, give me the next one. What is that? How? How do you know that's a judge? He's got a gavel and it's got this, the black robe, right? 
It's a judge. That's easy to determine. What is this guy? The guy that brings all my packages. Don. <laughs> Don Flynn. What is this? Oh. A labor construction worker. He's got his. He's OSHA approved. He's got his vest on. He's got his hard hat, and, and he's doing work there. And we know him by what he is wearing. Can I ask you this question? Does the world know that you're a believer by what you have on? If we can identify these people, how in the world uh, will people? know if you're a Christian or not. When, when I became a Christian, my new image, my new man spiritually should start looking, should start talking, should start walking like our creator Jesus Christ. Because I've put off the old man and I've put on the new man, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? And this new man has some new attributes that are not like the old man. Can you do me a favor, Tristan? Can you put up um, that verse again? Uh, Colossians uh, 3 9, please. 3 3, yeah. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practice. Go to 10 for me. She's getting there. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Can you go to 11? Do you have 11? I, I hope you do have 11. Now, so, so this is where Paul's talking to Epaphras here, the pastor here, because he's got Greeks and Jews. And he's, so he's saying this out. Here, there is not Greek and Jew. There is not circumcised and uncircumcised. There's not barbarian or Scythian. There's not slave or free. But Christ is in all and, and in all. Amen. How many are thankful that Jesus Christ came and that he Pull down all the barriers so that we can know him and we can be new in him. So I want to give you real fast, real fast, real fast. Everyone say, Pastor, you got a lot of faith today. Real fast. I want to give you six points. Woo! Praise Jesus, right? Six points today that, that Paul would talk about here in Colossians about what the new man. I told you what the old man looks like. How many want to know what the new man should look like? All right, all right. So I want to talk about this new man. Here's the first thing that, that he says. Um, do you have verses 12? Can you put up 12 for me real fast? 312 says this. She's getting it. Give her just a moment. I, I'm, I'm throwing her for a loop because I am all over my notes today. It says this. Look at this. Put on then. Everyone say put on. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, talking about who you are. Here's what we got to put on. Number one. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Verse 13, she's pulling it up. Uh, 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 bearing with one another, and if, it has, uh, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Okay, so look at this. I want to look at this. Here's number one right here. Here's the first thing that we got to put on as believers is this, compassion. Everyone say compassion. The, the a New King James says tender mercy. The King James Version actually says bowels of mercy. Put on the bowels of mercy. It's not very fun to talk about, right? And, and the bowels of mercy. And it says, in other words, compassion from the depths of your inner being. Let me ask you some questions. Um, did you know that every time that Jesus moved with compassion in Scripture, the supernatural happened? 
He did. If you look it up, you look it up, and if you read where miracles are, and it says that Jesus had compassion on them, get ready. He's about to heal somebody, bring someone up from the dead. He's about to do something, a miracle, compassion. Uh, you know, he's about to feed someone. And I believe, listen, we sang about it today. How many believe, and thank you, Sula, for talking about it. How many believe that in the supernatural, that God can do the impossible? Amen? Come on, if you're going to do it, let's do it. And I say this, God wants you to walk in this supernatural in your life. Mark 16 tells us that we will see the same signs that Jesus did. And why did Jesus come? Listen, 1 John 3, 8 says this, The Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And we know this, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And listen, you have a supernatural power in you. It's called Jesus Christ. Amen? I love that, and we, and, we, and we can see people healed and delivered and set free, not in anything that I'm doing, but in the mighty name of Jesus. And I say this, I, and I just submit this today, maybe the reason we don't see the supernatural in our lives is a lack of compassion for others. Amen? Let me ask you, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't, <laughs> I begin to think about, if you don't care about someone, there's no way you're going to see the supernatural in their life when you're praying for them. If, I mean, if you, if you believe with them, but yet you don't care for them, listen, you've you, you got to be compassionate about their situation. There's something about empathy. There's something about sympathy. I see where you're at. I, I don't want you to be there anymore. Let me, let me pray with you. Let me help you out. Let me help you get out of this situation. And, and over the last two years I, I, with COVID, it's, it's honestly, COVID revealed our selfish nature. He did. It did. It, it, God, I think, I think he, he did this to reveal our own selfish nature. Uh, and, and, and oftentimes we care more about what we want than what God wants. And sometimes we don't see people through the lens of Jesus Christ, but we see people through the lens of T.J. Skiles. I don't want to help you. You're a bum. You're a nuisance. You're bothering me when Jesus is saying, I love that person. I care about that person. You need to speak to that person. You need to help that person. You need to pray with that person. I can't help but think that God is taking us back to this place of compassion where we're going to love on the hurting people. We may not get anything ever in return, but Jesus didn't say, hey, be compassionate on them just so they can give you something back. He says, whatever you do for the least of them, you do it in my name. A cold cup of water. Do it in my name. Whatever. Something, something can, be, can be super small. And, 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 and oftentimes it, it, during this pand- the pandemic, people were hurting and they were dis- disenfranchised. And we didn't even see them with compassion often. And I say, God, forgive us for not loving people and looking through the lens that you look through of compassion. Amen. I love this. This Bob Pierce, he said this statement right here. This messed me up. Let my heart be broken with things that break the heart of God. And sometimes I'm calloused 
And I don't look through the correct lens. And he was a missionary, Bob Pearson. He prayed this while visiting children in Korea. And he would later go on and start Samaritan's Purse. A very large organization. So Christ, when he showed up, when he showed compassion, the supernatural happened. And can I tell you something? You can do the same thing in your life. I don't know about you. I've, I've determined in my mind I'm going to love the unlovable. I'm going to care for the disenfranchised. I'm going to help the hurting all that I can. And I say, God, open my eyes and help me to be compassionate. And listen, here's the thing. Every day you get up, you have to put that compassion on. Amen? So everyone say, put on compassion. Here's number two, kindness. Everyone say kindness. Uh, kindness is this. The definition is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. I, how many like someone to be kind to you? How many like it when someone buys, buys your drink at, at, at Starbucks before you? And you pull up and say, the car in front of you bought, bought your drink. How many are like, that is kindness. Thank you, Lord, right? Because that was 10 bucks. No, I'm just kidding. And so, but the, the original Greek word here means goodness. Listen, it means goodness, but it means goodness in character and demeanor. It's one thing to be kind in your character. It's another thing to be kind in your demeanor. It's one thing to be kind in your, what do you mean by your demeanor? By the way that you act, by the way that you are. Have you ever just been around someone and you don't even have to hear them speak, but you could just look at them and the way they stand or the way they walk and you go, that is a nice person. Right? You know what? That is goodness in their demeanor. The problem with us is we measure kindness by what we are giving. But the, really the real perspective of kindness is this. It's not us giving it. It's the person that's receiving it that, that, show, that we know that we're showing kindness. Does that make sense? <laughs> I pray that made sense. Um, and the scripture, we should be Christians that are wrapped in kindness. Can I tell you this? Listen to me. There is nothing worse than a mean Christian. There is nothing worse than a mean You are not representing Jesus Christ when you are mean. Listen to me. I have grown up in church, and when I've seen it so often. When church people go out to eat, they are some of the meanest people to waiters and waitresses on Sunday, on Sunday afternoon when they leave church, and the waitress or waiter messes up and gets their order slightly wrong, and the people that were just praising God are slandering and Putting this poor little 18-year-old girl, raking her over the coals because they just missed, she missed up or somebody misread something. Listen, we are to be a people of kindness. I'm grateful for God's grace over me and God's kindness to me because, honestly, I have to get up every day and say, God, I'm going to put on kindness because it doesn't come easy to me. Does it come easy to you? I pray it's easy for you. But sometimes, man, sometimes I want to be rude. Sometimes I want to be obnoxious. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to anybody besides myself? Sometimes I just want to lay it out there, but I can't. And God reminds me, hey, TJ, I have been kind to you. And I'm like, you're right, God. I can be kind to others. I love this. Romans 2, 4 in the message, it says, it, the message it says it like this, so the Lord takes me by the hand, and he leads me to a radical life change. That's, in, in essence, it says this, it's his 
kindness that leads me to repentance. Here you go, TJ. I, I've got you. I love you. You're a mess, but come on, buddy. You're obnoxious today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesus, his example is this. Towards us, he gives me kindness, and that gives me the chance to be kind to others, to love others. You know what? I know when I put on kindness, grumpy TJ is gone. My kids and my wife said, praise the Lord. Grumpy TJ is gone. <laughs> and here's the thing. Sometimes it feels awkward to be nice because we've been trained to be obnoxious or to be mean or to be a smart aleck. And listen, when we put on kindness because of God's grace, we have to remember it may feel awkward. It may, it may, the style may change. But listen, God is doing something in you. And so everyone say kindness. Right here, next one, humility. Everyone say humility. Uh, I'm so proud of how humble I am. Let me ask you a question concerning humility. Get ready. Buckle up. When was the last time you said you were sorry? Oh, pastor, why did you say that? You know, a humble person will apologize. And oftentimes, we're more concerned about being right than we are about being humble. I got to get my point across, and you need to know this. Now, there's a, there's a time where we have to speak the truth. Uh, when was the last time you verbalized to your wife, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Or, or wife, you verbalized to your husband, I'm sorry I acted that way. I'm sorry I did that. Or, or you wrote it in an email. Uh, do you understand the power of humility? See, see, this is the thing. We believe the lie that if, you're, if we humble ourselves, that people are going to walk all over us. But that's not true at all. It's not true at all. Uh, humility comes with promotion. This is what I've learned right here. Philippians 2.8 says this about Jesus. And I love Jesus' perfect example. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Did you catch that? He what? He humbled himself. He what? Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death uh, uh, on a cross. Therefore, God has what? Highly exalted him and bestowed him on uh, uh, on, on him the name that is above every name. The next bit of scripture says that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. So Jesus humbled himself and God the Father has put him in right rightful place next to him. And one day, I don't care who you are, one day, if you're a believer or not, one day your mouth is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God has exalted him. He became the perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine. I owed a debt, and he paid it. That's what it is. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. <clears throat> All right, right here, young people. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Humble yourself. I know you're 17, 16, 18, you know everything. Your mom and dad, your mom and dad have lived life. They know a lot more than you do. Humble yourself, learn from them. All right, all right, I'm going to get that one out of the way. Come on, I love you. I love you. I love you, but I'm telling you, look at this. Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with what? Oh, put on humility. 
Put it on. Everyone say, put on humility. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. God what? God. God what? God what? Opposes the proud. Oh, man, this is. But he gives grace to the humble. I want to be humble at heart because I need God to help me out. I don't need God to oppose me. And I say, God, rip every bit of pride in my life away, Lord. I come to you. I don't know everything, but I lean into you. See, you have to close yourself. And, and I love that bit of scripture. You have to close yourself. All of you. That means all of you. Every person in here, you have to clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Here's and, and oftentimes this is a struggle for me. Humility is saying I don't have to be right or I don't have to have the last word. I want what's best. Sometimes humility is tough, but we have to put it on every day. Here's the next one, gentleness. Everyone say gentleness. Some, some translations say meekness. Gentleness is mildness of manner or disposition. Meekness is this. Meekness is this. Gentleness is strength under control. Strength under control. Uh, the Bible is talking of gentleness. He warns us as believers about being gentle when correcting someone. When, when we are believers and we need to have a course of correction, Galatians 6.1 tells us this. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of what? You know what that means? That I don't come in and I just don't start beating people for their sins. But I come in with the heart of love and say, you know what, God's got something better for you. Listen to me. I have the truth, but I want to tell you in love and in gentleness that God has something amazing for you. He says, keep watch of yourself lest you too fall into to the same temptation. And oftentimes I see this in my life. I've, I've, I've experienced this. I had a young man one time come to me, and I was, I was a, a youth pastor, and he said, hey, can I talk to you? And so he, he pulled me to the side, and we were talking, and he said, I got to tell you, this person who's on the praise team, they are doing this, 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 this. And I said, okay, have you seen them do this? No. Well, okay, so let, let's just take a few steps back. So you're, you're basically telling me you've heard that they do this, this, this. Yes. And, and, and I said, okay, well, what we're going to do, we're going to pray about it. And, and I'll, I'll take care of the situation from this point on. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, guess what happened? This very same person who called out this person's sin came to me and said, I messed up. I did this, 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 this. So oftentimes we want to point out everyone else's thing, but honestly we have to be gentle in our heart and we have to be tender because God is dealing with them. And I don't know about you, I have my own problems to deal with sometimes. And I, I, I can't help but be, just learn to be gentle with others, amen? And unfortunately this is, this is gentleness one is one that the church doesn't do well sometimes. The moment that someone struggles or has an affair or messes up or falls back into old habits of drugs and alcohol, or misses the mark, we oftentimes just throw them to the wayside. I know, that's not popular. You didn't want to hear that, but it's true. And I say, God, forgive me for not putting on gentleness. Uh, gentleness is important. So I, I don't know about you. I, I begin to think about this. When I have to have a surgery, if I need to get my appendix out, I've already got my appendix out. If I need to get my appendix out, you know who I want working on my appendix? The gentle surgeon. I don't want a lumberjack coming and taking out my appendix. You know? Because it's not going to. I want the gentle hand when you're hurting, when, when you need help. 
When you need help in your life, you know, I want the gentle hand. I begin to think about this. When I had my appendix taken out, I remember I was sitting in the, in the ER, and I was there, and the, the nurse was coming. She said, we're checking you in, and you're going to get your appendix out. And she goes, oh, your doctor is so-and-so. And I was like, cool. And she was telling me, oh, it's going to be laparoscopic and this. And she goes, oh, you have doctor so-and-so. He's old school. Guess what? You're not going to have laparoscopic surgery. He's going to do it the old-fashioned way. He's going to cut you, and he's going to go inside of you. And I was like, oh, that's great. I didn't care. I was really in a lot of pain, so it didn't matter to me. But I remember after uh, uh, having my surgery, coming, coming back a couple weeks later, I went back to meet the surgeon to look at it. And he said, I need to see your wound. And he opened it up. And, man, I have this little bitty, 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 bitty tiny scar. I mean, he did a good job. And he goes, and he looked at it, and he goes, man, I, I have a gentle hand. And then he goes, I do good work. Now, he needed to work on his pride, but he had a gentle hand. And he was good at what he did. Amen. Jesus is gentle, and he would say this in Matthew 11, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. And Jesus is not brutal, but he's gentle. And and the Lord wants us to put on gentleness. Here's the next one, patience. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Everyone say patience. Bear with me just a moment. Bear with me just a minute. I I don't know about you. When I hear patience, I want to skip this one. I want to skip this one. Aren't you glad that Jesus has been patient with you? I'm glad that you guys are being patient with me right now. Patience is a tough one for me. I like to leave that one in the closet. I don't like to put that on. I'm beginning to think about this. I, I was making a list of, of people that have tried my patience over the years, okay? You ready for this? This is not, this is not intended for you. Uh, I mean, it's not pointed at you. If it fits you, I'm sorry, okay? It's just the way it works. People that have tried my patience over the years. Here's number one, a boss. A coworker. A pastor, watch it now, my kids, my wife, good answer, no one said no, that was quiet, I don't know, my friends, my family, and when I was a youth pastor, youth kids, number nine, church people. Number 10, the guy driving the Toyota down 37 the other day. <laughs> uh, why do you tell us that, Pastor? Because this is what I know. People are going to try your patience. As a parent, if you have teenagers, you need to put on about three layers of, of patience. God, help me. Help me today. Help me today. Help me to have patience. Those of you who work in volatile situations or or stressed relationships, put on patience every day. Why? Because God has been patient with you. When I was a youth pastor, I had a, a young man. He was fatherless. I was telling this story this week to someone. And uh, he was fatherless. And he was just dying to have someone step in and be a father to him. It was a really sad situation. He was a mess. I'm not going to lie. He was a mess. He was troubled. He would cause fights in youth. Just not because he just wanted attention. He just wanted somebody. Bad attention was better than no attention to him. Didn't matter. People are looking at me right now. I don't care if I have to lash out. I remember one time he was getting a little rowdy and rambunctious. And and I was trying to, to get him out of the situation. He always got in fights. And I was trying to get him out of the situation. Put my arms around him. Kind of pull him out of the situation. Well, that sucker bit me. And he didn't just bite me, like he bit me, left teeth marks on me. 
you want to know patience. I, I, I was so aggravated that I was just like, I cannot believe you just bit me. It's frustrated. It's mad. I was like, why are there laws to prevent me from punching this kid right now? He bit me, and I, I said, you shouldn't have done that. That's wrong. He went his way and went home. And, and then I was sitting at home a couple weeks later with teeth marks in my arm still. I'm sitting there, and after school, I hear this on my door. Who's this? I look out there. There he is. I go out there, and his face is swollen. He says, he says TJ, I, I need prayer. So I just, I just got beat up by all my friends. It's swollen. I mean, his face, his eyes are swollen. He's, I don't know what to do. And I could have easily said, you know what? You bit me two weeks ago. Get out of here. But I took that moment and I just said, you know what? I need, I need to be a little more patient with this young man. And I began to pray with him and I just began to ask God to help him and to give him, show him, help him. <laughs> Stop causing fights with his friends and find new friends and find better people to hang out with. And it would have been easy to just throw him out, but can I tell you something? God reminded me, I've been patient with you, TJ. There's been times where I've tried to restrain you and you've bit me. But then you come back and say, God, I need help. And I'm like, and God's like, come on, let's pray. I remember I prayed with him there on the porch and it was a great, great experience, but Every day we have to put on patience. Everyone say, put on patience. Here's the last one right here. Put on love. Colossians 3, 13 through 14. I know, I know I'm going a little late today. I, I apologize. But listen, you need to get this in your heart. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We forgive because God forgave us. Amen. So look at this, verse 14. And above all these, what? Put on, put on love, which binds everything together hmm, in perfect harmony. I love this. I love this one. And the, the reason that I had to read the scripture is before we can put on love, there, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a qualifier before we can put on love. There's a precursor to this one. Before I can put on love for others, guess what? Verse 13 says, I have to forgive. Amen? I have to forgive. I have to forgive. The old man says, hold on to past pains and betrayals and resentment. And Paul says, forgive them because Christ forgave you. Love them because Christ loved you. I don't know about this. I, I, I don't know why. I just feel like I need to say this. Some of you need to pick up the phone maybe and call someone and say, I forgive you. Maybe you need to write a letter and say, hey, I forgive you because I need to love you because Christ has told me that. 1 Peter 4, 8 says this, above all, keep loving what? One another earnestly. Since love, what? Covers a multitude of sins. God is love. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God, God is love. So when we love on others, when we love on, when the love of Christ that is in us loves on others, guess what? 
we are covering. We are, we are doing that. It's easier to love someone you have forgiven. How do you do that? You put on love. Amen. Bow your heads with me all across this building. The old man, the old style is gone. We got put on the new man. God, we put off anger. We put off sexual immorality. We put off sin, obscene talk, malice. God, we put on compassion. God, we put on kindness. God, we put on humility. God, we put on patience. God, we put on love. God, we put on the same attributes that are the fruit of the Spirit. God, it's your character. God, we can't do it in our own. But, Lord, when we put those things on, Lord, we are imitators of you. Because we are a pure reflection of who you are. If you're here today, say, Pastor TJ, I, I need to put on the, the new man. I need, I need to take the old man off. I need to put the new man on. I, 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 if you're here, you want to know Jesus as your personal Savior, would just raise your hand just a moment. Sweet Terry, just a moment here. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else in the building? Anybody else in the building? Will you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all my sins. God, I believe that you were born, lived on this earth, died on a cross, went into the grave and raised again. God, I confess my sins to you. God, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. If you said that prayer today and you raised your hand, please please fill out the card and turn that in. We want to make a connection with you. We don't want to bother you. We just want to tell you about the love of Jesus and help, help you grow from this point on. If you're here today and you say, hey, Pastor, I, I need help putting off the old man and putting on the new man. If you're here today and you say, I need to put on the new man, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you just real, real fast. Say, I need help with that. I need help with that in my life. Amen. Thank you, thank you. And let's pray. Lord, I pray for every soul in here, God, every person in here. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to put on the new man. God, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So, Lord, it may feel awkward to us, God, putting on a new garment. But, God, when we put on your character, God, we're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in peace. God, I pray, Lord, that those attributes of who you are would come forth, God, in the way we live. God will give you the praise. God will give you the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to ask Greg.